Uh, welcome to you. For the ones here and one watching online, we're so pleased that you could join us. And um, if you could just play the piano for a while. I, just during the worship, I just sensed such... Uh, um, uh, I had such a feeling of the manifest presence of God in our midst. You know, God is ever-presence everywhere. But it's those times where we, we just can feel and sense the presence of God. And so I'd just like to pray for a while if we could just bow our heads. And how could be, if you could just play, if you could just turn up the piano a little bit more, that would be great. And just position ourselves to receive from God. He's a faithful God. We've just, we've just um, sung about that right now. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your presence and for your anointing. Lord, that, break, that breaks broken hearts and sets captives free. We thank you for that in the precious, precious name of Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Let your presence fill every home, every family. Let it go from here and just be present all over the city, Lord. We thank you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. I'm just going to go and get a bottle of water for me. I forgot it near my chair. And um, yeah. God is good. God is good for sure. Yeah, today I would like to speak on the mobilization of the priesthood of all believers and understanding who we are uh, in Christ. We see in 1 Peter 2 verses 9 to 12, people, Peter speaks about this. And when he's speaking about this, he's speaking about you and I. And this is who we are, and this is how God sees us in Christ. You know, when we look at ourselves sometimes in the mirror, we may not enjoy what we see. But we know that God doesn't see us as we see ourselves. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. The one that paid the price for our sins, past, present, and future. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 12, Peter writes, That you are a chosen people. Now I want you to personalize this as we read this. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, chosen to clear the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I urge you as strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires that war against the soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Church, I want to focus on good deeds today as the royal priesthood. The first thing I want to say is that we must not underestimate estimate the power of a good deed, however big or small, done in the name of Jesus. Peter would have learned this firsthand with Jesus in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. 
He's sitting with his disciples and speaking to them, and he says this, that you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand that it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Church, you and I are this royal priesthood. You and I are this holy nation. But we are called to be a priesthood on mission. A priesthood who, like Paul, remembers where they come from, not from a place of condemnation, but from a place of, of gratitude. Paul, in his writings to Timothy from jail, looking back over his part, right, past, writes this in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12 to 17. And this is what he writes. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he has considered me faithful in appointing me to his service. When we read that, we should put our names in this too, because this is us. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, instead of stepping back, instead of hiding in a cupboard or or being condemned and not wanting to speak out for God, it has the absolute opposite effect on Paul. And this is the, the effect that it should for, from us. You see, the enemy will always try and remind us of our past. But Jesus Christ has paid the price for that. And this is what he says, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. You see, church, God is wanting to raise up an army, a priesthood who is secure in who they are in Christ, a priesthood who, like Paul, understands that there is no future in their past. A priest is not striving to earn their father's approval because in Jesus we are already approved. In Romans 8, 16-17, Paul writes, The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Church, there is no higher standing in the universe than to be called an heir of God and an heir of Christ. We are all equal in standing before God. We are all equally loved, all equally forgiven and accepted by God the Father. Yes, we are all equal 
in standing, as we've just heard. But we are different in function. And sometimes we, we confuse the two, because, the two because we get our identity in from what we do and not from who we are. And so when we're doing well, we feel good, and when we're not doing so well, we feel bad. But identity comes in and through Jesus Christ. Identity comes through the Word of God. Identity comes through the Holy Spirit. And the more we spend time with Him, the more secure we become in Him. But out of that identity, God has called us to do stuff, to function. And we need to understand this. As I've just said, that our identity does not come from what we do, but who we are. And Paul speaks of this in Romans 12, verses 4 to 8. Paul spoke briefly on this um, passage last week in regards to leadership. But this is what he writes. Just as each one of us has one body and many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to the other. We have different gifts. We could also say we have different functions according to the grace God, God given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is shown mercy, let him do it cheerfully. As you can see, all equal in identity, but different in function. You see, God, through Jesus Christ, has created access for us to come into the very holy of holies, the very throne room of God. What an amazing privilege. Not on the basis of anything that we've done, but on everything that God has done on our behalf. We see this in Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 24. The writer says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how do we do this? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. And I want to stop there for a while. Whenever we make a mistake, whenever, whenever we do something wrong, the enemy wants us to draw away to God, from God. But God calls us to draw near to him. And let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promises faithful. See, God has raised up a priesthood that by faith in Jesus Christ has unlimited access not only to the presence of God, but to the 
power of God. The incomparably great power that is for us who believe. According to Ephesians 1, 18 to 23. God is calling us to be a supernaturally natural priesthood. Going about the works prepared in advance for us to do. According to Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good deeds. God is raising up a priesthood in this time. And that is us, church. This is time for us to mobilize. God is in total control. God knows what He's doing. God is going before us. He knows what's going to happen in the future. And He's called us to partner with Him in this amazing walk and mission of life. You see, He's called us to be a priesthood advancing the kingdom in partnership with apostolic oversight. And Paul speaks of this partnership in Philippians 1, verses 1 to 6. I haven't put all the scriptures in here, but I ask you to go over the sermon and just go through these because it's important that we understand who we are in Christ. I believe there's an identity crisis in the body of Christ. And God wants to reset that today. You see... God is raising up a a royal priesthood, a servant army with a deep love for God, His people, and His Word. We see this in John 13, 34 to 35. Jesus is in the upper room. These are some of His last words to the disciples um, uh, before He was crucified. And He, in some of His last words... He gives them a brand new command. Not a suggestion, but a command. And this is what he says in 34 to 35. A new command I give unto you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. You see, church, the church Jesus is building is not simply defined by worship, preaching, or wonderful buildings, or even by people. All good. But the church Jesus is building is one that will be identified by love. Love for God, love for each other, and love for fellow men. You see, church... We must never forget who we are and how much we are loved by Christ. We must never forget that we are a royal priesthood chosen by God, the Father, saved and commissioned by God, the Son, and empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. As I said, a divine partnership with God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks of this partnership in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to 9. He writes this, I, Paul, planted the seed, but Apollos came and watered it, and God made it grow. 
church, that seed that Paul could have planted would, could have just maybe have been a cup of water in Jesus' name. It could have been a kind word. It could have been anything. But in whoever he spoke to about it, that seed was planted. And it wasn't left just there. Someone else came along, Apollos. And he watered that seed through love and good deeds too. But it was God that made it grow. Isn't it amazing that God calls us to this divine partnership? We plant the seed. Somebody else waters it. But God makes it grow. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only, only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each one will be rewarded according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, God's field, and God's building. What an amazing privilege. God brings 100%. And we bring nothing but ourselves. And God chooses to partner with us. What an amazing partnership this is. My question is, will we give our all to God as He has given His all to us? You see, in John three sixteen and 17, we know it well, but I can never, ever read this and meditate on this word enough. And if you're here or listening today and do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're here and you're struggling, I want you to know that God is with you. God loves you. God cares for you. And God wants you to become a part of His family. He loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. Now think about this. He could have given anything. He could have given an angel. He could have done anything. But we need to understand that the value, value that he places in you and I is the value of his son. For God so loved that he gave his only son, that whomsoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I love that word, whomsoever. It's open to anybody and everybody. As Paul said, I was a violent man. I persecuted people. I did so many things wrong. But he was one of the whomsoever. And you are never, ever, ever too far away from God. He is this close to you. And he's waiting for you and waiting for me to open our hearts. And for us, I pray who know Jesus Christ will fall in love again with the gospel and with Jesus Christ. For God did not send His Son into the world, but to, to in, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the, condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. 
Just this is a, a short message. But I really do believe that God wants to touch people. I have, want to share a few things after this. But I'm going to stop there. And if we could bow our heads for a moment. I believe that there are divine appointments for, for us today. Jesus, um, to the church of Ephesus, writes this letter in Revelation 1, and he says, I know your good deeds. I know that you've persevered. I know that you've done everything right in the natural. But this one thing, I have to chat to you about in a sense, and that is that you have forsaken your first love. And for this moment, I just pray the transcendent peace and love of God will come upon us wherever we are. I say, come Holy Spirit, come. For you, you have walked or drifted away from God. God is calling you back. Sometimes we can be present but not present with you, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, for restoration in our lives. But I also want to speak to the ones that do not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. I only tell you that he says that he will be a friend that will stick closer than a brother to you. And I want to give you an, an, an opportunity right now where you are. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to do anything because God is looking down on you. He loves you. He cares for you. I don't know why I'm saying this so strong, but I do know that God is wanting to heal, restore people today, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And all we have to do is to confess our sins to Him, even right now. Even right now. He knows them anyway. And all He wants to do today is wash them away. I don't know why we hold on to them so strongly. So Lord, we thank You. Because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But You, Lord Jesus, came. And prayed the price for that. And if you now want to confess and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's open and willing. The doors are open wide. All you have to do is ask God to forgive you of your sin to acknowledge Him as both your Lord and Savior and receive Him as that in your own life. We thank You for that in Jesus Christ. Lord, for us, Lord, this retiredness and weariness have maybe in a sense drifted away from our first love. Lord, You call us back to You you call us back to you right now, Lord Jesus. I know right now, even in the simple message, I have such a sense that you're working in our hearts and in our lives and in the church, Lord God. 
I pray that, Lord God. And I pray that through this, Lord God, we will become ambassadors of Christ in word and deed, Lord God, and that we will take what we have, the blessing that we have, Lord, the spiritual blessings, not necessary physical blessings, but spiritual blessings that are in you, Lord Christ. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you never, ever leave us or forsake us, no matter where we are or what we've done. We need fear no evil, for you are with us, Lord God. Your rod and your staff will comfort us, and you will prepare a table for us even right now. Lord, may we begin right now to feast at your table. It's a new day. It's a new beginning, church. It's a time for us to rise for the mobilization of the priesthood of believers that will go from this place into our homes, into our workplaces and into the city and simply share the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I remember this, this quote, which was a quote from St. Francis of Assisi. And this is what he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. In closing, I would like to remind us of a prophecy that was given over this church by a man named Dave Haggard, a pastor in Melbourne and a dear friend of ours that I've known for maybe 20 plus years. A prophetic man that had a word for Oceanside. He was coming here to preach and while he was praying for us in Melbourne, he in a sense had a vision of Oceanside. And this is what he said. I see a servant army rising up with a deep passion and a love for people and their city. A people who will positively influence this sphere of influence through love and good deeds, through words of life. I see a creative revival inspired by a creative God, using creative ways and new ways to advance the kingdom. We have been called, church, to pass our city and not just our church. We are to rewrite the core values of our city. We to speak and pray life over our city. Instead of complaining and moaning about it, instead of joining the chorus of complaining, we should come in the opposite spirit and speak words of life. Nanaimo, a city of love. Nanaimo, a city of hope. Nanaimo, a city of joy. A prosperous city. We need to own our city. We need to love our city. And I love this, what he says, make party to the people like the wedding of Cana. 
a servant army rising up with a deep passion, with love for people and for their city. You see, church, this is not the game here today. This is the huddle. This is where we come to be inspired and, and, and empowered by God and encouraged. The game of life is played out of there. And God is wanting to raise a people of influence that through love and good deeds and creativity will reach out. Dave says, I see a creative revival. We said it again. He says it again. He also says this. It's a long prophecy. I'm just going to go over it. That God is calling us to influence and impact the marketplace, our workplace. God is calling us to be pace setters, to break molds, to build bridges, and to connect with people where they're. God says to us through this message this is our time. This is what he wrote over a year ago. This is our time, Oceanside, for the mobilization of the Can we bow our heads? Lord, I thank you that you placed us here. I thank you that you say in your word, Lord, that you determine the exact times and places that we should live so that through us men will perhaps reach out and find you. For in, in you we live and have our being. Lord, we thank you. You have placed us here. You have brought us together as a family to encourage one another on, to spur one another on, to love and good deeds. And Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord God, that we will simply take what we have, take what you've given us, and spread it to our neighbors and the nation. Lord, I thank you for that. We pray for this beautiful nation, Lord God. We thank you for the words you've spoken over this nation many times. That you will have dominion from sea to sea. And we thank you for the priesthood of all believers, the holy nation of God. From the east coast to the west, Lord. That you're raising up this army. And I pray, Lord God, that we will go from this place, Lord, encouraged and empowered, understanding that there's no higher calling outside of the Godhead than for us to be called heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We thank you for that. God bless you, church. Have an amazing week. And I look forward with expectation to hear amazing testimonies of what God has done in and through our lives. Jesus, as I said, says there's power in a cup of water. There's power of a visit. There's power of a hug done in his name.
Let's go and be that salt and light, shall we? In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, church. If the worship team could please come up.